You, do you get that thing where, um, I wish you clap? A one and a two and a one, two, three. I got the new Google, this, this podcast is sponsored by Google. I got the new Google, um, router. Oh, really? trying to solve my problems with being with bad internet and it is better it's working so far yeah we'll and see. i got to change the name of my network to an emoji like i just picked really? an emoji so like when, yeah when so you, when you could do you look at the drop down you yeah, have an emoji? an emoji yeah <sighs> it's a surfer you really live in, in the future <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh, I feel nooch. I feel nooch about the podcast being up. So this is our first episode where the podcast Why is the on- podcast is online. We we put the first episode up, and it's like, oh, it's people are flocking to it. <laughs> well, we got we got two hundred. Plays two hundred. They're just like pretty good. Two two likes. Like for a podcast that's like not anything at all. Like we didn't. We're just like, yep, we're doing it. (laughs) Like that's all it is. It's just us talking. I guess that's okay. I don't really care. I'm nobody. If two hundred people fucking listen to me for a second, for an hour, (laughs) that's like a pretty big deal. It's fine with me. I don't think my parents have listened to it yet. Like they know it's up, but they're not like, oh, how do we, how do we hear it? Like, do they want to? I think they do deep down somewhere, but it's like, you know, their lives aren't really built around having podcast listening time, you know, I guess. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't even know if I want. Like, I don't know. I should give it to my mom, I guess, because she like I never. She always complains that I never call her. She could just like listen to the podcast every week. Just imagine that you are Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I. Uh, but so part of but part of the thing of having it out there, like I always feel like a terrible disappointment after I like publish something I made. Do you feel that? So, um, so you, like what what kind so you work really hard and it's really hard to ever finish something right yeah but then you do finish something and that moment where you finally finish it and then you release it like you there's like it's like a sugar crash mm, maybe you don't get that i didn't feel that about this at least i don't know it's been I've been I've been waiting on it for a long like I've been like when are we gonna release this first step for so long mm-hmm. that I just felt like I don't know I mean yeah I like I'm liter- like literally neutral I'm glad we set we set the uh, the twenty episodes thing because that makes me feel like well let's just let's do the twenty episodes let's we should know by then if it's worth worth doing. Um, so welcome to what a life, the podcast where you find out how to live this week. We're going to talk about economics and capitalism and capitalism. And we're going to find out, do we need it? Maybe (laughs) not. Um, part of the contact 
context. Oh gosh, I can't talk to it. Part of the context is that you are working on Bloomberg now, which is I work at Bloomberg. Sort which of an, their whole thing is just like providing quote transparent information about the stock market so people can make good decisions in the stock market. And like yeah. having mayors sometimes. And I mean, if you're listening to this for the first time, like, I don't know what you're doing. Go back to the first or something. I don't I guess you can, but my name is Ryan Manning. I make videos for the internet for money. Now I'm from Paul Bloomberg, Paul Miller. And I write stuff for money on the internet. Um, so the first thing we like to do on this, on what a life, what a life is ask, uh, we do a progress report and we find out if the, during we, it's been actually like two weeks since we recorded the last one, yeah. even though this will be a seamless one week for the listener. We haven't talked for two weeks. We, in this section of the show, we find out if either of us have done anything in our lives that we're actually proud of. Right. Um, and that, that really engages our full creative ability and passions. And yeah, and you're being 100% the true version of you that you like. Hmm. I think. Oh. Have you done it this during this, uh, I guess two weeks? Uh, the closest I got was working on the website for what a life. Which was cool because it was like it used some of my like the programming kind of stuff that I've been learning. Like I wouldn't have been able to finish it, and I wouldn't have been able to do like interesting stuff to it if I didn't have all this random time spent programming. So that felt good to to like use that to make a real thing. Um, and I also I like spent more time. Like I always feel like if I spent eight hours in a day writing something really cool could happen but I never want to push that hard but with working on the site like I spent eight hours in like two separate days working on it um, and so that was cool I, so I like the amount of time I spent and I like the fact that I used the, those skills and I, it was fun it was creative and it was interesting but you know, it's not necessarily um, designing websites is not my ultimate passion. But it was. Co- uh, I'm glad I was able to create it. So you were doing some shit, but you maybe not. You weren't 100 percent Paul. You yeah. Maybe. What can I guess? Maybe about 80 percent Paul. May, maybe 80 percent. I think I'll accept it. You did a lot of work. You get. Um, what do you? What? Do you, what reward should we get when we do? <laughs> <laughs> you get um, three hours of time that you can, you don't have to feel guilty about anything, <laughs> and you can choose those hours. When do you when what time of day would you like to not feel guilty? Because like I don't know, I'm always in a state of guilt. Are you? Yeah. I think that if you worked for sixteen hours, even if it was eighty percent, Paul, you earned three hours of guilt-free living wow. what right, do you do you think you can do that like if you if you pick a time right now like say it's tomorrow from let's just arbitrarily okay the time is from 7 p.m to 10 p.m tomorrow you get free guilt-free living you set your 
set your clocks <laughs> to set your alarms it'll go off and you'll get a little cal- a, a calendar alert hey no what, guilt what time is it from 7 to 10 p.m to p.m i don't know that's a, that's a good time for me i don't know what time you would want to have no guilt but let's just say arbitrarily 7 to 10 p.m i'm gonna no do guilt. it i'm gonna do, do like it? middle of the afternoon tomorrow i want you to actually do this and tell me how you feel okay no i'm gonna do middle of the afternoon because middle of the afternoon is when i always slack off but this time so i'm gonna do you 2 can slack off with guilt-free slacking guilt-free slacking. slacking you're not supposed to be doing anything during not, this time. Yes. let's see because like today i've watched a lot of like twitch like there's a new video game out called overwatch by blizzard yeah. So I lo- watched a lot of people playing that, and I felt very little guilty because I had I like done some writing like w- for work and stuff, so I was productive. So I felt okay, but zero guilt. So let's see, save. Yeah, right, two that's PM. my big problem too. When are you gonna start? When's your guilt free? Two p.m. tomorrow. Two p.m. to five p.m. No guilt. Bam. I think this might be a real thing. I think you I think you might feel good during these three hours. You know what's funny? The thing that makes me the most productive lately is gonna sound really really dumb, but my mom says <laughs> my mom wants me to go into the office, like my dad's business, and just work from there. So I'm like around. But I don't like to go in the office because I don't like leaving the house. So we basically make a deal that if I don't like get anything done before noon or something, I'll have to go in the office. So like, and that, so you've been getting stuff done before be- noon because you really like don't want to leave the house. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> I need I to mean, move. I need to move back to New York, but for now, this is working. Yeah, not that much gets me to really work that hard. The only thing that gets me to work really hard is when someone tells me a deadline is at like a certain time, and mm-hmm. then I work really hard to make it to that deadline, and then they they ha- they lied to me and told me that the deadline's not actually that time. How do people do that to you? Like on I purpose? Think I ta- did I talk about this before? Somebody did start lying to me wow. at The Verge. I told them to do it. I told them, like, <laughs> just lie to me. Just tell me when the deadline is and just say that it is that right. and it, maybe it's a week later but don't tell me and that. they did it they did it like once and did it work and it worked really well wow even though you knew you told them to lie you weren't 100 percent sure they were lying so you had to they do hadn't it. done it until this point i told uh. them to do it but i think they finally like i kept telling them uh-huh. and i think that they kept like it kept biting him in the ass like oh, why is he late again and i kept telling him like guys you gotta lie to me <laughs> and then they finally That's did amazing. it and then i remember i turned it in the day of and i was like what when's it going up like do you need a thumbnail i was like like worried about like all like the details of like mm-hmm. getting it online and they were like yeah yeah don't worry and then like there and then i slowly found out oh that wasn't actually due for another week <laughs> That's amazing. It worked, and I was like, "Congratulations!" Look, yeah. it's just like I told you, you should have done. You did it, and look, it's great. You had it a week ahead of time. <laughs> I stayed up all night to finish it. For you were you were mad deadline. or anything? I was not mad. I don't care. That's the only way I'll get things done. You got something done a week early. Uh huh. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. Well, I'm gonna keep that one in the back back pocket. 
like I, I I don't know how to like I don't I feel like that's not something I should tell my employer mm. but like really lie to me like, that will get me to do it you know what I keep on looking for like just one job that has on the job description not a self-starter <laughs> <laughs> just one time like they can't assume that everybody in the whole workflow force is all self-starters, right? They have to know that some people have a different personality some than that. Need direction. Yeah, some people are like um like a sometimes starter or like uh yeah. Yeah, I'm not a self-starter and I also do not take direction well. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay, so what did you do to this these past 2 weeks? I mean, I don't remember when, I don't remember exactly when I was talking to you last, but I I edited episode three of the trash cast. I, you got pretty crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And I really liked doing that. To me, that was like one, that was great. I spent like many days on that, like way too much time on something that was supposed to be really shitty. Like, like the idea that we talked about this last time, I called it the trash cast because I wanted it to be there to be the bar to be so low that nothing is too shitty for the trash cast. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I spent some time on it. I don't know. I've been drawing. I drew a tortoise with some cactuses. I would say, yeah, I would say that doing the trash cast is pretty good to me. Would you, you like that episode? Yeah, I'm trying to, let's see, that was how the family, families of YouTube. Yeah, I was, like that part, I was like, oh my God, this kid fucking died. I got to make sure this part is not a joke. Mm. That was, I was worried about it the whole time I was editing. I was like, this show is all a joke, like us joking, and I'm going to have a part where we talk about a kid dying and little kids crying. Mm-hmm. I better make this part not a joke. So I was kind of worried about that. But I think it, I think it was okay. Yeah. I don't know. That's all I did, though, I think. That's it's okay. Is that an, I, I, this is going to be many days. I mean, I, I don't feel as, uh, let's see, I mean, I don't, I don't feel as strong and comfortable assigning you percentage. <laughs> like, I don't mind that you give percentage ratings to my efforts, but. I, I would say that was 100% me if I had to grade myself. Okay. Uh, I was having fun. Like, it's pretty rare for me to have fun editing because mm-hmm. I hate it because it's my job. Right. But I was having fun editing. School. So that's all. I think that's all I did the last two weeks. Oh, and so. you've also been editing. What a life. Yeah, but not. I mean, editing. I mean, I just listen to sure. it, and then like if somebody burps or something, I cut that <laughs> out. Like I don't really cut much out at right. all. I don't think I've cut out actual content yet. Oh, and 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 your girlfriend designed the site. I don't know if she wants how much credit she wants because I, I diverged slightly from her direction and mm-hmm. um, uh, she's not liable for any any um, anything that happens on there. But I really appreciate her helping out. 
using yeah, her artistic did. abilities and her creativity. It was good. I like the color palette she picked, and mm. yeah, she also did the album art, which is we that the album art is like just sort of an, an amalgam of different like a skeleton and a cake in a desert just found from like Google photo search, like Photoshop together. And that was supposed to be just like a quick sketch of something that she was actually going to draw by hand later. But then we were like, nah, that's good. That's great. So I did it. Thank uh, So do I get any, you, you're not going to assign me any free time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, three hours. You get three hours too. Whatever you want. Okay, I do want that. I do really want that. Like when I assigned you three hours, I was like, <laughs> you were hoping. Yeah. But hoping. at the time, I didn't remember that actually. I did some stuff. All right. I think. Yeah. I, yeah. You earned three hours guilt free. I can do whatever I want, and I can pick that time. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'm but gonna no, do what I said actually. No tomorrow. crimes. Though. Tomorrow from seven to ten. It's happening. No guilt. What are you going to do? I don't know. That's the thing. The alarm is going to go off and I'm not going to plan anything. Okay. I'm just going to do. I'm gonna just, right. We'll see. Uh, you know what's going to, th- the thing is, gonna, the, the thing's going to be is like, I'm going to feel guilt because I'm going to be like, this is it. What should I do? And it's going to be the same kind of oh. thing where people that like plan a really nice vacation and the whole time they're stressed out about trying to have a good time. That's what I'm going to, it's going to happen to me. I'm going to be at home, like trying to relax. I'm going to be watching like a nature documentary and I'm going to be like, Ooh, I'm going to be have like FOMO about <laughs> missing out on another documentary that I could be watching. This is I've felt like this for like the past. I don't know how long that, that nobody ever, at least I feel like I never have any fun and I don't think anybody else has fun. You have things that you look forward to being fun and you have things that you look back on being fun but those those only create a sense of dissatisfaction because you're not in those mo- those actual fun moments. But when you're actually in a fun moment, you can't concentrate on it enough to actually have fun. And so you never have fun. Nothing is ever fun. <laughs> <sighs> I got to think of like the last time I was having fun and I'm I was like, I'm having fun. <laughs> so I went I went to this uh uh, so my sister is in town um, and she, she like really like wants to go out and like do stuff. And, you know, I don't like to leave the house much. And uh, she talked me and my dad to go into this bluegrass show at this bar. And so there's like probably 20 people there. They're like these weird kind of hippie bluegrass girls and guy from Colorado. The music was fine. Um, I was somehow relatively close to stage compared to the rest of the crowd. So I just felt like super self-conscious because I felt like everybody's behind me. So like, I didn't know how to like sit. I didn't know how to like pose my body to look like normal. (laughs) (laughs) And then like, I saw, I like bought um, some alcohol for me and my sister and my dad. And then that, and then like, yeah, I don't know. Like, it was a fine time that I had with my my sister and my dad, people I love very much, you know, and it was live music and drinking and but I don't think I had fun. I think I had fun recently. 
I had fun recently, actually. Really? No, yeah. I sent you um, a video of it. You remember when I was sending you, like last week I sent you some uh, links about pump tracks? Pump tracks? Pump tracks. Oh, for yeah, skateboarding. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Pump so you, tracks. you skated it? Yeah. There's uh. this new thing sweeping the, the planet, the globe. <laughs> Pump tracks. There's only a couple in the world. Well, they're all over the world. If you look at like people riding dirt bikes and right. there's like those like hills that they jump off of, right. basically there's this new company that decided like, Hey, let's pave those. And then like skateboards and stuff. And, and they make them. it a full loop so you can keep going. I'm they guessing. make it at like many loops. Like you can ride it in many different ways. Oh really? It's like a tangle of, okay. of like things. Yeah. Of, so uh, I've, I've done ramps and stuff. BMX like dirt tracks on a bike and those yeah. those sections are like they're like I think they're called like the technical section because you you try not to get air and you use that to yeah you pump through that section of the short hills. Yeah. But it's also it's also my favorite part. I've never pumped on a real skateboard, but in the video game Skate, which is my favorite yeah. video game ever, like that's my favorite part. You find parts of the city that you don't have to push at all. You can just pump and keep going and it's awesome. It is. You found great. that in real so they life. They paved over. They paved over those hills, and you can ride a skateboard on it. And I don't know. The, there's look. If you're in Brooklyn, <laughs> get your butt to. I think it's called Brooklyn Bike Park, but it's on North Fourth in Kent. How does it work? Like I always assume something cool like that in Brooklyn. There's just going to be like a line, or it's just going to be so crowded. Look, I don't want to blow my fucking cover, but. I faked sick one day at work so that I could go during the day when no one was there. That's so smart. Yeah. Well, my little sister was going. My little sister, for, I didn't even know this. She's into, She's a skater now. I never knew that she was a skater, but suddenly she's a skater. And she's like, hey, I'm going to the pump track on Tuesday. And I was like, ooh, I'll skip work and go. And so I wow. went. Wow. So hopefully nobody who works with me is going to listen to this. <laughs> Or they listen to it and they're like, you know what? Come on. People fake sick sometimes. You have fun at the pump track. It was one of the last like warm days of the year. That's great. Did, you, really did you have fun. more and fun when I was on doing the it, day? I was like, they... this is fun. Say what? I was like, when I, when I was doing it, I this was fun. Like I was okay. like, this is fun. To me, actually it was challenging, but it was also very fun. Okay. Did, um... Faking sick add to the excitement? Yes, I would say so. Because like, what am what else am I gonna do? Hmm. It was great. It was a real fun day. So yeah, I think it's possible to have fun. Maybe right. you haven't had fun in a while. All right. Well, I'm but glad to know before the pump track. I don't there. know if I've had fun in a long time. Okay. It's good to know it's out there. Before the advent of the pump track. Did anybody ever have fun before pump tracks? <laughs> Look, I'm telling you, pump tracks are going to sweep the nation and the globe. Like, there are not that many right now, but it is so fun. I can't imagine there not being many pump tracks in the future. Pump tracks might be the main mode of transportation in the future. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, all right. So are you ready to talk? About. Let's get into the. Let's get into the. What do we call this? This is ho- homework. Homework. Because we did the homework f- 
for this section. Homework. Okay. So, what do you think? Capitalism, good or bad? It's great. Let's cut to the chase. Is Cap- it good the way it is? is? Is it good the way it is? Well, what What's do you mean? the matter with it then? What's the matter with it? The matter with it is a government that has enough power to mess things up. So that we, so so if 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 you're doing capitalism, right? You're like, I want to get more money, and you get more money, and then you're like, I'm going to use that money that I got, and I'll call it capital, and I'll use it to make even more money, and that's all. That's what you do. You're a capitalist, and you just keep on earning money with your money. Yes. But then, you come. There's like a government, and the government has guns and like can enforce laws, and so you can never do that with your money. Um, legally so you get the government to make laws that make it easier for you to make money laws that will like make your company do better and somebody else's company do worse so if 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 you're and then that's kind of that is so i guess people call that crony capitalism or whatever but so if your company gets to this point where it 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 wants to influence the government to promote your interests then where it goes wrong is if the government goes along with that. And the government can only go along with it if it has enough power and control to to go along with that. So so, so the problem is, is government regulation, basically. Governments making laws that can promote one industry and demote another industry. Hmm. So, really, the gov's the problem. Yeah. The government. So, in a perfect world for you, and I guess we should say we read, we we did a lot of stuff. We did a, we did a significant amount of research. You, yeah. You, we read some essay. We listened to this podcast that analyzed that essay. What was the essay? Hayek. Hayek, and it was about the prices. Well, let's see, what was yeah. it called? Hayek. It was about prices. prices. Yeah, I have it also say the use of knowledge in society. So, yeah. so, so, yeah. So Hayek's thing. So, so, I I got this from Partially Examined Life, but it's a very famous essay. So, Partially Examined Life is a philosophy podcast. And they did like a two part thing on Hayek, and then another book that kind of reacts against Hayek, um, I, I believe. I don't know. Um, sometimes it's kind of hard to follow what they're talking about. But the Hayek essay is relatively straightforward. It just talks about how prices are this really interesting, cool thing that are how we um, basically spread this information of who needs what and um and how if we hadn't thought of prices and then somebody came up with prices we, everybody would be like whoa those are really cool so we shouldn't just take them for granted just because we've had prices for a long time and the alternative is like a centrally a central planner but the problem with the central planner is that planner doesn't have enough information the planner would have to know like which kind of cereal is my favorite and do i prefer it 20% more than the next kind and would I go 
with you know just granola for a week if if this other cereal was too hard to get you know it, he uses like i think like iron and steel like substituting metals are his examples because he wrote this in 1945 um mm-hmm. so but so it's th- that central planner would have to have just it's this insane quantity of information and the ability to process all of it and compare it all and solve this whole equation of who wants what and who needs what, where we can just do that with prices and prices allow us to act individually in our own interests. And, and then that demand and those or, or scarcity or whatever is communicated to the rest of the world or market or whatever through the prices yeah so and the thing is is that I, that I want to say is like you and he said prices are an emergent behavior mm-hmm. right like we didn't nobody invented them and last time you were like emergent behaviors are dumb or emergent intelligences are dumb no they're just not um, they're not sentient they're not smart in the same way that people are smart right I don't know I guess like the way I saw prices the way I was visualizing prices when he was talking about it is because I was like recently reading that that um, um, the plant book about emergent behavior and they said in the book he was like saying like prices are an emergent behavior and so it's not that much different than the behavior of like plants or the behavior of birds in a flock. And so you can imagine prices as like, you don't know what's going on with the whole flock. Say you're a bird in a flock mm. you're flying. on one of those like crazy things where you see like birds flying and they're like, they look like very like, uh, like liquid and they right. are sort of moving through the sky. Really cool. Like a swarm. Mm-hmm. And you're one of those birds in this, that flock. And all you know is like, I got to stay about like one or two feet from the guys around me and I'll be cool. Mm -hmm. You have no idea what's going on on the far side of the flock, but sometimes the guys near you get really close to you and you have to move away really fast. Right. And all you know is you need to stay that like one foot distance from you. Right. And And so that's kind of what prices are. Like you, like you, you only see what's locally, but it relates to what's happening as a whole. Right, and the same and the same thing with like the the plant example. You, um, and we'll have we'll have links in our show notes for all of these things that we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I took a scan of the of the book, so we can probably include that. I don't think we'll get in trouble for like a few pages. <laughs> um, the 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 plant book, um, like talking about some of these sort of wild things. Um, there's actually a what we call it like a summary of the book that I read as well, in addition to the the part you gave me. But like, so one of the things plants do is like they look for water. And so you'll have like a far off route, like will go around obstacles and find water, but that's not like a centrally planned thing from the core of the, um, plants intelligence. It's a, it's a, it's a behavior of the root and the roots can sense gravity and moisture and things like that. Um, so the same thing in a, in a in a market, you'll have you know some far off shoot of the market that's job is to discover cereal underground. You know, will work extra hard and solve all these interesting problems and provide cereal to the rest of the market. But that's not something that you have to solve centrally. So, 
So it's, it's, it's an emergent behavior, but emergent behavior is obviously different than centrally planned behavior. And it has um, some, I don't know what you call it, like fairness properties to them that like centrally, like, like if you're central planning, right? And um, you decide that for the greatest good, um, you need to, um, um, let's say you're starving on a mountain. So for the greatest good, you need to cut off your leg so you can eat your leg so you can survive. You know, that's a decision that you can make as a central planner, but that's not a decision that you can really effectively make as a, um, as a market. You can't have one person decide that one part of the market is wrong to exist or should die or something like that. It has to happen more naturally than that. Yeah. And so what, one of the, the properties that they, I think since this essay, the economists have kind of figured out is that given some set of conditions, I don't know all these conditions, but some set of conditions you can like mathematically solve a market so that basically nobody can be better off without making somebody worse off. Yeah. Like market, I wrote that down. Markets. That's, that's, a, that's called something. Yeah, I know you want to drop some, some real, some, Oh, I have no idea what it's called. Do you know what it's called? It's the Parado efficiency. Whoa. Yeah, I wrote that. I've took a note. I took two notes or three notes. I think while reading this or listening to it. I think I take too many notes because I can never like find the thing I'm actually thinking about. In well, the only reason I took a note on this is because it was easy for me to remember because when they said Parado, it sounded like Play-Doh <laughs> efficiency. And yeah. I imagine that here's how you can remember Parado efficiency. Kind of remember Play-Doh efficiency and imagine making a smile out of play-doh like a like a like a play-doh smile like a little like a coil and then bent into a smile and imagine that the only way that you can make that play-doh smile bigger is to take away another play-doh man's <laughs> a little bit of his smile and add it onto yours right. so everybody has the same amount of play-doh for their smile and the only way you're smiling it bigger is taking away play-doh from someone well, else so what's interesting about this this market is people don't all end up with the same amount. Um, they just end up in a state where you, um, of a, a state of distribution so that, you know, you can't give something to, to you can't give something to one person without taking away from another. Because if you could give something to someone with, with, without taking away from another, then you would. Then you would, yeah. And then you would be Plato efficient or whatever. <laughs> per, per, yeah. Pareto efficient. Per, Pareto efficient. No, I think it's Pareto. Pareto. Yeah, Pareto. Pareto efficiency. I don't know how to spell it. I spelled it phonetically in these notes. Not so sure. the the other most important part, and this isn't from any of the stuff I read, but this is like basically what I grew up with and why I like capitalism. The whole point of capitalism is that you create value, that the whole world like money wise is not a zero sum game that that when i have something 
and you want it and you're willing to give me money for the thing that I have and I want that money more than I want the thing that I have it's a mutually beneficial exchange I get money which I wanted more than the thing I had you get this thing which you wanted more than the money you had so we both grow in wealth in a sense and so what happens in a capitalistic system is you have those exchanges happening constantly where everybody is constantly in a sense becoming better off because they are exchanging something that they have for something they want even more than what they have but don't you we talked about this before you do want like a basic income and is that only because we're in the system that we are now or in your perfect capitalism would there be a basic income still well the thing is that really capitalism anymore i don't think it is the thing i like about basic income is as an alternative to the thing is i think in a, a perfect capitalistic system um capitalism would not be the only force that drives human behavior right so you would still end up with charity and you would have you know like a safety net for people because people would be charitable but um if you don't want to trust that that's fine the, the what i like about the basic income concept is that it does you, you're not you're not choosing winners or losers you're not saying this is a good thing well and as a government will help support this thing but this is a bad thing we're not going to help support this thing you're just putting like money out into the market obviously it's money that you took from people um but you're just giving everybody this base basic income this baseline and then they spend it and they make the best decisions with it because of the price system as opposed to i'm i I don't as opposed to as to the the current welfare system in america you have to sort of qualify for it you have to be this kind of person in this setting in this scenario um and you know like for food stamps you got to spend food stamps on this kind of thing and for medicaid you have to get this kind of health care you know it it is money it's wealth redistribution but the government is making a lot of decisions about how that money is distributed and let instead of letting people just get the money and then make the decisions for their for themselves Okay. Is this like equivalent to like when you're playing Monopoly and you pass go? It's like if you you know you just get it. Yeah. Hmm. But Monopoly always ends with one person winning, <laughs> even if you pass go a bunch of times. Well, the problem with Monopoly is that it is a, a zero sum game. You don't have these mutually beneficial exchanges. And nobody's producing anything. There's a there's finite resources. There's Look, a f- I want to compare the whole economy <laughs> to the game. I don't know. Well, here's like the thing that made me feel like maybe this is not like th- that. That even though prices are cool, I agree that prices. Yeah, that is cool. It's like you, they're cool immersion behavior. Hmm. The thing that they said at the end of that podcast was that marketing is a non-market interaction and 
that's like the the fundamental fundamental welfare welfare theorem fundamental welfare theorem which was like i guess that's what when everybody has Pareto efficiency when everybody like what we were talking about when no when you know the thing i was talking about the plato smile um that's the fundamental welfare theorem i think it doesn't account for marketing and i think marketing is something that really sway like it can manipulate people it can make them think they want things that they don't actually need and the thing you're talking about how that you get money and the person is happier because they got that thing. Mm. I don't like, I, I think they like, maybe they didn't need that thing because marketing is very good. Mm-hmm. Okay. People are manipulated very well, very easily. All right. So people get manipulated and make wrong quote unquote, because again, like who, who's deciding if this is a wrong decision? I don't know. For instance, I mean, the first thing, did you you definitely didn't watch like i gave you like five fucking documentaries to watch and you didn't, i watched like, corporation yeah and i had i haven't even watched that since like <laughs> thing i don't know well i'll get back to it but anyway the, the the other documentary that maybe i should have just had you watch after i realized like the marketing thing i was like maybe i should have just had him watch um century of the self mm-hmm. which is that documentary about public relations so it's, it's four hours though it's really long but it's all really good um but it's about it's about the beginning of public relations and how to manipulate people to do things that they to make prey on people's emotions to make them do what you want. And like the first example, most famous example is, um, and the guy's name is Edward Bernays. He's like the father of, um, he's actually, I think the nephew of Sigmund Freud. He's related to this somehow. Yeah. Um, but he, he the like a cigarette company came to him and was like hey men smoke a lot of cigarettes and that's great they're addicted we got them buying but for some reason they're seen as like a masculine thing and we don't know what to do we need we need to grow we need to scale we need to make more money on our cigarettes how do we get women to smoke and he was like hmm let me think about that for a second and he was into like Sigmund Freud. He was into his uncle's shit. And so he was like, hmm, here's what we're going to do. We're going to stage a fake protest. We're going to hire a bunch of female actors. They're going to protest for women's rights. And then they're going to smoke. Every single one of them is going to smoke cigarettes. And they're going to call their cigarettes torches of freedom. And it will throw such a ruckus in pub in um, I think it was in New York City, downtown in public that so many reporters will show up. They'll report on it, and every single picture will have these women fighting for women's rights, smoking cigarettes. Women around the nation will see it, associate cigarettes with like power, with like uh, women gaining power, mm-hmm. and then cigarettes that, that should you know that should work. And sure enough, it worked. Now, is the world better off for women smoking cigarettes? Did they want those? Are they like, is that good? Mm-hmm. Is marketing good? Oh, okay. So what, what would the alternative to that be? I don't know. Telling you the fucking straight facts about a product and what it can do for you. So who d- determines the straight facts? The facts. 
I don't know, but I'll, yeah, I mean, that's a real problem, right? Yeah. And so like, I, I, I think for, there's like a lot of examples of like the government, like think of what the, the food pyramid, like, like what the government has recommended people eat for the past, I don't know, my whole life. I don't know how long it's been like this. And then people are like discovering that it's basically the, the food pyramid is just completely out of whack yeah. and was like for like made to help promote grain companies basically i don't know i don't know yeah. what it was yeah i mean and, and think of how many people die from obesity related causes and so that was the government making a, the but ro- that was the government with like corporate influence i think like the big like i think we're not going to disagree that like the problem with capitalism is that there's a revolving door between people who are in charge of corporations and people in the government and then they just like they get into the government and they change the laws so that they're company can succeed more like that is the big problem Mm. that it like that truly is the problem um what do we do i think you have to make government less powerful so that it has less influence over these things do you really think that like the total freedom like i like we've never seen it i'm willing to believe that yeah with if corporations had total freedom that like um that like some balance would happen and it actually would be better. Well, I don't so know. Maybe what, that's the case, but it's never been that way. Well, what you protect is uh, property rights. So if somebody has something, somebody can't show up and steal it. Um, and that has to go both ways. You know, a corporation can't come up to you and decide to take your land so that they can drill for oil. Um, and you can't come up to a corporation and, and take them over as a government because for, because you're, Hugo Chavez or something. Um, and and then, you know, basically what's in the Constitution, like free speech and, and stuff like that keep... And I think, especially now more than ever, the ability of people... It seems like people are seem better at catching on to when a company is being corrupt and abusive than the government is is at at somehow policing that and when you when the we try to have the government police this stuff they just they they get it wrong they're they're corruptible um and you know i don't know like i'm sure at some point it's nice to have the fda but it's also kind of annoying to have the fda I just yeah. think I, I think. Do you if think pe- that, that it, corporations want the government to exist as is because it's so easy for them to exploit the yes, system now? Especially big, like, big corporations. I think what there's this. There, you're, you're a small corporation, and the government just sucks. You have no influence over it, and and it's the game is basically rigged in favor of larger corporations. Um, and then you're this medium-sized corporation, and you start you you actually get even more heat because you're starting to be a real competitive against these bigger corporations. Um, and so like an example of the first one would be like my dad's graphic design business, like c- new government regulation makes like it costs more for him to hire people, makes it harder for him to fire people, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. And just messes with his business. Second kind is like an Uber, like a, this is a medium getting rapidly getting large kind of business that is like, infringing on like existing interests of, of existing companies. And so it's, it's the bad guy and it gets even more heat government wise. But then if Uber wins its fight, uh, 
Uber will basically have in place buddy-buddy relationships with regulators and then will able, be able to, you know, stop the next upstart from um, messing up what they've built for themselves. So the only way to stop that cycle that I know of, you can either have a perfect benevolent dictator that, that can go around and, you know, find all these places of corruption, which would be awesome. It'd be awesome to live in society with a perfect benevolent dictator. But I think we agree that power corrupts. So if you can't have a perfect benevolent dictator, then you just take the, you try to decentralize the power so that it can't be as easily corrupted. Okay. So you at least spread it out to states or to smaller local governments. So then even if a, a company gets really big, they, you know, they don't just go to Washington DC to corrupt people. They have to go to like every single town to corrupt every single local politician, which becomes prohibitively expensive. Um, so like, here's like real quickly, like we have no idea what kinds of, um, like if we were to live in a purely capitalistic place, we haven't like, since we never have, we have no idea what kinds of like, uh, byproducts might come from that or side effects might come from that. Like there might be some real bad things that we didn't even think of. Like once they're truly in charge and their regulations are truly lifted, nor do we know what byproducts or side effects might happen if something like a purely socialistic system were in place, like purely, or even if the stuff that Bernie Sanders is talking about were in place. Like I think about like how the things he's talking about sound really cool, but I'm like, we have no idea what that well, what side effect that might happen. I mean, this, Hold on, real quick. Okay. What? So you talked the first episode, you were like, what if one company took over? So in a purely capitalistic place, a company that does really well, mm -hmm. could they own everything and could that be okay? <laughs> <laughs> if Google, if Alphabet yeah. ran everything, is that okay? The, the important distinction, what I don't want a, a company to do is to be able to create laws or enforce laws. That's the really important part. Like it's fine for me if Google took over all of the public economy, but if Google made a law that I had to use Android, I'd hate Google. <laughs> mm -hmm. But if Google just was like, oh, they bring me my food and they make my bed and they give me back rubs and you know, and they 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 control my whole economic life, um, as long as it wasn't illegal for me to go and start a competitor. Like you know, the thing like the companies that we hate the most right now are like cable companies, right? Cable companies are all basically entrenched in their different markets because they made deals with like local and state governments. Um, the, and you can't show up to New York city and compete with time Warner. It's like, it's not allowed legally. And that's where it gets, gets to be a problem. But if, um, if time Warner just served perfect internet to the whole, or just uh, 
good enough internet to the whole New York City so that nobody even bothered to try to compete with them, then it wouldn't be a problem. I don't know. I think, I think it would, I think people are, are they, I think we have an emotional weakness and I think that we could live in a fucking Wally world where we're all just like coasting around on hover chairs, uh-huh. drinking our liquid meals and be very like content. But I don't know. I don't know that to me, that seems like the ultimate conclusion of Google taking over everything okay. is like everything being chill, but not really. So what, what, and what would stop you from doing something different? Just being like too content. You're and too like content. Too, yeah. Like I, I just think like we are easily manipulated. Right. And so this is, this is where I like come almost full circle and I like hate most of these companies. Right. Like my like vendetta over the past month or two has been against ads and and content ads and content basically because I feel like what most content companies are doing is they're trying to create this really cozy relationship with their readers or viewers or whatever and then sell those readers and viewers to ad buyers to brands to big companies so like mm-hmm. they're creating this like false intimacy with you know with with people so that the, they can pass on that intimacy to brands. And I think it's it's gross, I, I don't like it. And I, I'm, I'm happy that I am clearly working for a brand, just being obvious as to who I work for and what I'm doing, and not in this fake out gray area of, of media. Um, but all that said, I would hate for there to be some sort of government regulation against online advertising or something like that. Uh, I just want people to grow up and be stronger and, you know, live lives that aren't lulled into this false sense of complacency. Can I tell you a real, like a conspiracy type theory I have about these, like this whole thing? Yeah about what like advertisements and brands are trying to do. Like, so like, I mean, what a brand is, a brand, I, I, I joked about it before, that like brands were like, were originally meant for cows, like branding a cow, mm-hmm. like the like the hot metal on a butt with a symbol on it. But like, really a brand is sort of selling you a lifestyle. They're saying like, a, a brand is saying, this is what we're all about. Are you all about it? Are you like this? And in an in a situation where a brand does take over the world and you like the brand and they they are sort of like they're like um they're prescribing you a type of personality to be and they're allowing you to buy it. Mm-hmm. Like Nike is saying, This is what we're all about and you can buy that and then you can wear that and then that can be you you can be more like us mm-hmm. and so the and so wearing a brand actually sort of like changes who you are and i feel like all the brands are sort of like they're prescribing people different types of ways of being mm-hmm. and uh then they're trying to be like the the, the um that makes it easier for for them to sell to you because you're you're changing those people and then you know how to sell to those people. 
Okay. Is this a, this is a wacky idea? This is I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, you, wa- you, want to pe- you want people to start self-identifying as a Nike person so that they buy even more Nike. There's also this thing with apparently with cars that people tend to buy the same brand of car. And so it, it, there's this huge benefit in getting some convincing somebody to ever buy your brand of car with an ad because then you've got like this lifelong customer who will keep on buying your kinds of cars so that's why there's so many car ads is because that customer if you get them is worth you know maybe hundred thousand dollars to you in your their lifetime that's pretty interesting um but i just see i see Whenever I see somebody railing against companies and corporations, I like look for, are they offering an interesting alternative? And typically they're offering, well, the alternative that they're really offering, because basically t- typically it's government somehow, means that instead of trusting, instead inst- I don't trust Ryan to decide whether or not he should buy Nike. So what I want is for me and everybody else to have a, a, a vote to elect a politician to go to Washington to implement laws that can determine what Ryan is allowed to buy, which seems like a really indirect, wasteful process to get a worse result than whatever you decide to buy. Because maybe you're going to make the wrong decision, but who who is who's really going to define what is the wrong decision as far as whether or not you should buy this Nike stuff? Yeah. I guess you know what I... Like, here's what I would say. If I had to really, like... I Capitalism might be the right thing, but I think people aren't educated enough about, like, the power of marketing. I think, like... People need to be fucking drilled with like the ways that propaganda works, the way that marketing works, like the emotional um, failings of humans and the way that you, you can be like tricked by advertising and just like people need to be on guard for this because they're not. Well, I I don't know. They always say that marketers are like one step ahead of psychologists too. And that's 100% true. Yeah. I um I have a term for I started thinking a lot about this when I was at Engadget and then at the Verge as well. I, um I don't think I came up with this term. I'm sure I heard it somewhere else. Um it's like a functional savior. So if you think of what what Jesus is supposed to be is is you are in a bad situation spiritually and Jesus comes along and he saves your soul. He saves you from eternal damnation. Now you get to go to heaven forever and and everything's turned around you know so that's that's the concept of of a savior in christianity well like almost every single ad that we ever see is basically your life sucks right now here's our product this will be your savior this will turn your life around you will have erections that will last very long, but less than four hours, and everything's going to be so wonderful now that you have our product, and 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 we're told that story just over and over all the time, our whole lives. And I felt like I was kind of part of that at Engadget and The Verge, where I was constantly, we were always looking for this next product that would 
like oh you know everything sucks right now because you don't you don't have enough battery life and you don't have the newest version of android but once you have the newest version of android and enough battery life then everything's going to be great and we just constantly tell ourselves that yeah that's what i don't know i heard that i read this one article or this this um it's from the new inquiry i think um and they were talking about how in a capitalist society that all people want to do is buy themselves. And that's what social media is, is like, because we you know, buy themselves, like, like you want to purchase yourself. Like you want, <laughs> you want to, you, because we live in a consumer society and you always want a new, the new thing you want yourself to be new every day and to, and to be able to like have a new version of yourself or to buy a new version of yourself every huh. day. And, uh, um, they said like, like the way that every social media network now is sort of an echo chamber because you follow the people that have the same opinions of you. And then all day, all, all, all day long, if you're on Twitter, it's just basically confirmation bias because you're surrounded by people that like the things you like. And so your social network is a reflection of you. And because your activity on those social networks is tracked by advertisers and, that's actually labor when you're on a social network like that's you doing labor for people like you're actually working they call it prosuming because you're producing content by like posting on facebook or twitter or instagram okay. but you're also consuming because you are they're tracking your data you're working and you're buying everybody's things but i don't know um yeah so i don't know this thing is really interesting that you can uh that yeah the the new thing every day you're talking about you always need the new thing the new thing every day now is just yourself has to be like a new version so the new the news of the day reflected back at you through the people that are similar to you is like you buying yourself is that a stretch i still don't think i understand you buying yourself it's like you consuming yourself i don't know is consume the better word for that like you're making yourself as a product that you're also consuming. Yeah. So give me a concrete example. I, I, with an Instagram picture, I take a selfie on Instagram. How am I consuming myself or buying myself? Well, you're performing labor for that. Okay. By your activity on the social network, you're giving them data and you, you put the new filter on it especially on Snapchat is making me feel like this a lot lately is making me feel like this is really true because every day there's a new one of those, um, lenses right. that like changes your face. Like they have like the face tracking stuff and every day there's a new one. And so you get to open the app and you get to see yourself, but a little bit different. And it's like every day I'm a little, Oh yeah, I'm a different person every day. What is it going to be today? And then, I mean, your, your activity on those social networks is tracked and then sold to a brand. Right. Is that not consuming yourself? Yeah. But when, when, where, where in that process did you buy yourself? Um, I think your activity on the network is buying yourself. Is it not? I see. How, I mean, I typically differentiate when I'm doing labor from when I'm purchasing fruits of that labor. I guess that's what prosumption is. It's a combination, I, um, producing and consuming. I got this sense recently. I feel like 
and now like I feel like dirty for not noticing it. Also, I was watching some vines and I got the vibe that like 99% of people who are making vines are trying to make it big as a vine star. Do you get that feeling? Yeah. Yeah. And and then I thought a lot of people that I watch their YouTube videos are trying to make it big as a YouTube star. And a lot, a very high percentage of the people who I watch on Twitch are trying to make it big as a Twitch star. Like all of them, at least to the point where they they can do it as their full-time job. So like Twitter and Facebook seem to be like this, and Snapchat are these like last, and some extent Instagram are these last like bastions of like people making stuff just for fun um or everywhere else people are just are trying to like make it i don't know i don't know what that yeah has to do with anything. i don't know yeah twitter i don't know how you can be popular on twitter anymore well there's no way there's no people who are sponsored on twitter who are like making a ton of money on twitter by doing like sponsored tweets are there I don't think so. People who like make their full time living yeah. on Facebook or Twitter. Like, I don't think like so. the way you see a sponsored Vine or the way you see a sponsored YouTube. No, like video. I do know some celebrities who are already famous for other things do do sponsored tweets. Like I think some of the Kardashians <sighs> do and stuff, but that's not their like primary income. I'm gonna go ahead and say that's because video content is more valuable to advertisers than written or pictures. I mean, pictures are kind of weird. That's a weird, weird between place. Cause Instagram has video too, but like, I just know that the advertising dollars for video is just way higher. And that's the reason why we had to make so much bullshit video is because they were like, let's just make a video of it. We'll mm-hmm. make so much money. Yeah. That's where the money is at. And that's like where the new Twitter, discover tab or I don't know what it's called explore <laughs> experience um, live articles is that what it's called no I don't know what it's called it's, uh, it's called, oh moments moments that's like it starts out video yeah it's all about video because it creates a closer emotional bond <laughs> with your um, so yeah I do I, I really hate um, advertising. I do get what you mean. I mean, in conclusion, what are we going to do? Yeah. I just, yeah. I just don't, I don't want like some government to show up, you know, more brands companies stop doing it. So I, I heard a really interesting podcast today. So this is like continued struggles to, um, say anything about information clearly. <laughs> So there's this guy yeah. named Cesar Hidalgo. He was on this podcast called Econ Talk. So it's ec- economics podcast. And he's talking about information um, and like costs energy to create information. Solids are good for storing information. And something that we do as humans is we make imaginary objects into tangible objects. Like something that does kind of differentiate us from these like like emergent networks or even animals is we imagine what we want to create and then we create it. And then we also 
will write down external information that's not in our genome, not in our DNA or, or, or instincts, will write down information like books or Wikipedia articles of how to make objects and, and how to do things. So like we, we not only show up to life with some information, but we actively create and transform information. Um, and he also talked about tacit versus explicit knowledge. Explicit knowledge is that kind of knowledge you can write down and tacit is stuff you know how to do, but it's kind of hard to describe. And he talked about companies as the, sort of embodying tacit knowledge, like a, a way to think of, of, of a corporation or a firm is, is it, it's, a, it's, it's sort of this group of people that embodies this kind of certain set of information. Wait, what's tacit again? Tacit is like, um, not implied, it's kind of like implied, but it's like, um, it's already, it's like under the surface. Let, let me just look in the dictionary. I thought I knew what tacit meant. Understood or implied without being stated. Hmm. So companies are, yeah, this is actually kind of what I was trying to get at with the brands thing. So like when you, it's kind of like, like kind of the whole thing. It's like, we, we, we read this, we read Flash Boys last time, right? And uh, we were trying to figure out if the stock market's fucked. And it kind of is. Oh After yeah, we didn't even Flash talk Boys, about Flash Boys. <laughs> we didn't even talk about it. But the stock market, it's all about like how high speed trading happened around like, I don't know, 2009-ish, started going 7-ish. And it basically took over the market and people were trading stocks by the millisecond and like tricking people who were trading stocks the old way and making tons of money and that's kind of why the whole stock market crashed and they're still kind of doing it right they're still doing some janky ass shit well the the stock market didn't crash well the high frequency trading really wrecked it well didn't um the 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 crash happened with the housing market and then the high frequency trading stuff has been happening after the housing market it hasn't crashed the market. It's added this sort of le level of indecipherability to the market because there's all these computers making all these trades that are like completely automatic um, and are kind of weird and hard to predict. And according to Flash Boys, possibly predatory on people who don't have the same access as them. Yeah. Uh, I have like a whole thing about that. But anyway, the, the thing I was going to say is like, the original intent of the stock market, I think, is good, right? Like, you are, you're saying, like, this is a company that is doing some stuff in a way that I agree with, so, so much so that I want to own a piece of this company, and I want them to get bigger, because the way they do shit is good, and if they get bigger, I want to get bigger, and it's sort of like, it's a belief system, like you were saying, like, it's their, it's like, they, they have some tacit way like they, there's some tacit qualities to this company mm -hmm. that you agree with and you want to have a piece of would you agree with that is that the original intent of the stock market yeah i was actually reading a definition so i think what the value of a stock is yeah it's not like an immoral agreement it's basically the value of a stock is like here's how much it looks like this company will pay out 
like the, it's a prediction of the future of this company. Like in the future, it will have been worth a hundred dollars to own this stock that costs a hundred dollars right now. Or you know this 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 stock costs ninety nine dollars. I think it will be worth it to me a hundred dollars because like you can get like um, what was it called derivatives or whatever. You can get payouts from companies that you own shares of in the stock market, like on an ongoing basis. Um, or that company can become more valuable, or the company could be sold to somebody else, and you get money then. So you think in the long run it will be worth more than what the stock costs right now to, to buy. But yeah, so you, you are, you're betting on the future of this company and you're betting that this company has something inherent in it that is hard enough to reproduce that you wanna bet on this company and not, you know, you wanna bet on Coke, not Pepsi, because you think Coke has some special thing to uh, inside its company. But I feel like saying betting is the reason why I hate it so much. Because it's totally betting. And that's why I don't feel bad for anybody in Flash Boys. The whole book of Flash Boys is an amazing story of some crazy, possibly, you know, creepy, weird, scary, smart people who are all apparently Russian programmers, um, like <laughs> screwing over other relatively smart people. Um, and then like some of those relatively smart people complaining that they got screwed over by smarter, faster people. Um, and it's like, I don't feel bad for anybody. You're, you're literally betting on the future with the stock market. But, but here's what I think is, is good about the stock market. And the reason why I hate the word betting, like betting is saying like, Oh, I think I can make money, but I don't think that you should like, yeah, it'd be cool. It's, it's cool to make money, but like. I feel like the reason why you should want to own a piece of a company is because you like that company and you want that company to get bigger. And then by you also get some money. Like you shouldn't buy a piece of a company that you think is going to get bigger, but you don't actually like, and you're just trying to make money for yourself in the short term. So that sounds totally great in theory. And I also kind of agree with you. Like I don't really like the idea of, of investing in companies that I don't agree with morally. Um, but but I would I would guess that point zero 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 one percent of the stock market is invested because you just like the company, but you're not in it to make money. Like everybody is in the stock market to make money, and the whole reason the stock market exists is to create lots of capital for interesting companies to use to do more stuff. You know that's the, it's, the theoretical the reason, upside. It's it's like a it's like a Kickstarter, right? Like it's like <laughs> yeah, their the, uh, IPO is kind of like a Kickstarter. Yeah, and it, and the reason why you do you donate to a Kickstarter is because you want their shit. Well, like you don't you don't be you're not donating to the Kickstarter because you think they'll eventually make a lot of money and you want a piece of the company. You like their stuff. I think the stock market should be more like why the reason why people get into Kickstarter. Well, what's interesting? Why people donate to a Kickstarter? What's interesting about this is that our like, did you see um, Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. So that's about the like these penny predatory penny stock guys, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, like since then, like we have like a lot of laws now, basically trying to stop people. You basically have to prove that you can l have the money to lose. You have to prove that you can treat this just like a gamble to really be an investor. 
like to do venture capital, you have to be able to prove to a regulatory agency, I don't even know who, but that 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 this you have money to burn. And and so you can just um, so that you can invest. So regular people are not allowed to invest in privately held companies. We're only allowed to invest in public companies because the government thinks we'll get screwed over because we probably would get screwed over um, relatively often. So you basically have to be ultra rich to invest in a company that's not um, a public publicly traded company. And and so the way Kickstarter is kind of a workaround, and the reason why Kickstarter they the people they, they can't you know give out shares, they they're basically they it's like a pre-order. Kickstarter works like a pre-order system slash like a donation system. It, it doesn't work exactly like an investing s- system because I think it'd be great. I would love to be able to find a company that I think is doing something really interesting and, you know, give them a thousand dollars and maybe that will turn into $10,000 five years from now, you know, but isn't that what you should do? But I, I'm not, I know what I'm saying is I'm not allowed to do that I unless, it's, unless to, it's a public isn't company. Isn't that the way it should be? I think so. And like right now it's just, it's a gamble, right? Like you're saying like right now it's a machine to generate capital and that's all it's supposed to be doing. And that's why it's okay that it's gambling. Either, either way, it's going to be a machine to, to generate capital. But the, so, okay. So here's my other thing. But it is gambling, right? It's gambling now. How much, what percentage of the stock market is gambling now? All of it. Well, what I'm saying is that the way private investment, private like investing in private companies is regulated. You have to prove that you have enough money to lose all the money you're investing. And then what I'm saying with the stock market is you, you're ultimately your the stock market is a price that is based on what the future worth of this company is. And nobody knows the future. So it's always going to be a gamble for every single company that you invest in. But what I'm saying is, like, people do treat it like it's a gamble. Like, people play it like it's a game. Like, like it's a casino, nobody, yeah. Nobody is in it because they believe in any of these companies. They're in it because they are good at guessing. Basically, yes. But the, here's the thing. That's kind of that – but it works. Because what you do is you get money you, – you, you take money from somebody who just wants that – they have a million dollars and they want to have two million dollars. You take that money – and then you put it to work with some like passionate person who really wants to make a company and make a difference in the world or something like that. So you look at it as tricking suckers who are trying to waste, who could, who have money to waste. And if they want to waste it on your company, cool. I it's, got your money. It's not, it's not like it's tricking people. So like one of the things I always, one of my examples for capitalism is that we, we as a society have decided that you're kind of a bad person if you ever buy a yacht. Like you should have given that yacht money to poor children who have no shoes. But what happens when you buy a yacht? You take a couple million dollars out of your bank account that you earned legally, presumably, and you take that money and you give it to a company that makes yachts. And what does that company that makes yachts do? They like hire a bunch of people to make yachts and then they buy materials that make that they use to make the yacht and who gets those materials out of the ground 
people who mine materials and do, maybe those people who mine materials have children who don't have shoes and then now they have money to buy shoes. You know what I mean? Like I, it, that's it's kind of a terrible, boring, trickle-down economic concept. But like when you buy a yacht, you are putting money into the economy and creating tons of wealth all over the place. So like I don't get mad at somebody for, you know, gambling their money or or you know, like I don't know. Yeah. We've got this whole <laughs> we have this stuff where we like you're not supposed to have you're not supposed to do online you can't do online poker and 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 a lot, lots of places it's illegal to have a casino and yet like we have all these state lotteries where the government runs a gambling that is clearly predatory on low-income people who want to make it big. Yeah. You, so you think it's okay? You think the stock market's okay? Yeah. I, the I don't, way it is? I don't think it's a smart place to be unless you really know what you're doing. See, what's it? So its function is only for rich dudes to play it and then benefit these companies well the companies benefit and the rich dudes and the rich people do too so you think without the system and then they buy would be, they buy yachts wouldn't be good or they they make they, the companies make their companies larger and hire a ton of people like that's what you do after you ipo you hire thousands of people and then if you're a rich dude and your stock market value doubled you know if you're bill gates you start his philanthropic foundation which is completely funded off of the money that he has earned from the value of microsoft stock or you buy yachts and either way if you buy a yacht or you start a philanthropic foundation either way that money is going to go out into the world and do more good stuff so okay in conclusion again stock market's okay what can i do to make it better so i'm not a bad guy for working for this company that tells people information about the stock market i don't think so as long the, the thing that do you think i should try to take down the high frequency traders well after looking around uh, some people think that the the flash boys case is a little overstated i mean it's pretty obvious in the book that it he's telling the side of this one company that is making an alternative um, exchange. So like, of course they're not going to be, you know, they, they clearly have like one story to tell. Um, so like, I want to, I want to like learn more about it, but I definitely think, yeah, Bloomberg shouldn't pretend like, um, and I don't know too much about what Bloomberg does, but Bloomberg cannot pretend anymore that looking at your terminal and reading the news is enough to trade on the stock yeah. market. Because it reminds me of like, do you remember when eBay got those trading bots? Hmm. Did you ever do that? Like once, if you bought oh, those snipes, eBay, those trade snipes and stuff. Yeah. They yeah. have robots that will just like, whatever you do, like if it's like you see the countdown on eBay, it's going down to like the last 10 seconds and you're like, Oh, I really want this. Um, uh, Captain Planet action figure for $10, but it looks like I'm losing. I'm going to do $10 and one cent. 
that computer, somebody will have a bot that's hooked up to their account that will read your bid yeah. at that last, even in the last 10 seconds. And it'll be like, oh, you're doing 1001? I'll do 1002. Yeah. Boop. And you will, you're as a human will not have enough time to react. But even if you did and you got in 1003 before the last 10 seconds, he would have 1004. Right. Before you could, yeah, and that's that's what this high frequency stuff reminds so, me. So of. you've got that that kind of stuff, um, and then you also have just algorithms like running around the, the like they that are based on like earnings reports and like even like headlines that are designed to just do automatic trades based on what's happening. So you've got you, you when you're when you go to trade at the stock market, you're trading against like high frequency trading type things, and then like other robots and other humans and so like i always like you know i don't really like um i like slot machines at but i don't like any of the skill games at casinos because it's like well you know if you look around the table and you don't know who the sucker is like you're the sucker right mm-hmm. so if you show up at stock market and you don't know who is obviously dumber than you at the stock market then you're the dumb one <laughs> but but i i also think you know like ebay is a good example like that really hurt eBay in the long run. Like people, yeah. people like, yeah, you didn't, you, if, if you were, if you had a robot bidding for you, then you won. Right. You win. If and so like the normal people robot. like just went and started using Craigslist or something. Yeah. That's is exactly what I did. Um, and so actually I got a robot. I had a robot working for me one time. Right. I found the site. I did it. So, so if you, if you are the stock market or if you if, like, imagine you're one of these companies that wants capital, right? Well, you want the stock market to work really well. Um, and so that's a market force that's going to push back against total irrationality because if people start avoiding investing in the stock market, then there's going to be less money for these companies that want to IPO or whatever. So they, they, they have an interest to, to reduce this kind of, these kind of shenanigans. Also want to point out, don't want to be a jerk about it, but Flash Boys makes it clear that all of this weird high frequency trading stuff happened because of a regulation <laughs> of regulation. Yeah. Uh, like there was a new rule that went into place in 2008 about how you had to find the lowest price. And that's what the, the high frequency trading algorithms prey on is this legal requirement for a broker to find the low, lowest price. If the, if the broker could just choose who they want to buy from, they could just buy from them. But because they're required to buy from the lowest price, the high-frequency traders basically l- work to pump up that lowest price and then sell at that lowest price. Fuck the gov. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I marked this podcast as clean on iTunes. Should I have not done that? Oh, really? Yeah. I've been saying fuck a lot. Really? Except. See, I don't I notice I've said it very it like much. Ten times. <laughs> Shoot, darn. <laughs> um. All right. Well, so I got to take down the high frequency traders. That's good to know. I'm gonna do a, a thing about dark pools. A video about dark pools pretty soon. Actually, I think dark pools sound awesome. You think it's a good idea? Yeah. So they they um, they made this sound like totally nefarious, but like. They're also like a place we where should, you it's can, really confusing. Like I should do you, can you explain dark pools really quickly? Dark pools are like, we're already like an hour and a half, right? Dark pools are <laughs> like a place where you can trade where all your trades aren't 
publicly reported? Is that what it is? I don't know. No, and you know what it is? It's stupid. I think it's really bad. I don't think it's good at all. It's so awesome. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not. It's a, it's a bunch of people who don't know. It's a secret club of people who do their trading in like in, the, in this little group um, outside of the market. They do all their trading, and then they have a guy like trickle the the buys and sells out over the course of like a certain amount of time so that any transactions that happened within that dark pool um are obscured by like they don't just happen like so say you do all the trades and shit in the dark pool Mm. and then you could just say okay submit and all those things would happen all those trades that you talked about in this dark pool would happen immediately but they don't want to know anybody to know it's existing they just like trickle out the things that they agreed upon over the course of like a a certain amount of time so that you don't really know what happened in the dark pool. But I thought they were also a way, like, I don't know about the trickling out. I think that's, I think that's what I, I thought it was like, if I'm wrong, I'm so sorry. I've got 10 shares of McDonald's. You want 10 shares of McDonald's instead of like trying to do it on the public market where high frequency traders can mess with us. We could just like show up on this dark pool and trade with each other. Look, we don't know. I thought that I was. I think I, from what I know, from what uh, I understood, the, way, the, I feel the like first bad. I heard of dark pools before this book, and they were. I heard of them as a reaction to all these automated algorithms, as a way to do just straight up trades that don't have all this weird fluctuation to it. Oh, really? Like kind of a place where humans can trade, like like good old boys uh, like the way they used to back in 2007 or something yeah i don't know but i don't know i don't really understand the stock market i really don't either that's like one of the problems with this job is like i at the verge i understand technology like i get computers i get it <laughs> but like when people start talking about market margins and shit i'm like oh, i don't Just know the- and i'm also like i don't even know if this stuff matters Cause this is gambling. These are, this is like me learning like the rules to like how to play like old maid and I don't even like cards. I mean, the, I think the way I, I view it is like people are bad and they're going to do bad things and try to mess any system up. But I think the concepts of capitalism and corporations are at least morally neutral. And I think actually been really greatly beneficial just like systems of checks and balances in the the U.S. government, like it's a way to take people who are bad and cynical and get them to actually work together, even against their will. Yeah. We should end. But can I ask you one question? Yeah. Do you think that in in a, in a in a pure capitalist system, does a company have a lifespan? Do you think they die? Like that? Is that like? Is, do you think that's the way it will go? Like every company will die the way, like the way, cause it's sort of like evolution and survival of the fittest. Like you're only good for a while and then you stop, you have too many mutations or you get cancerous and like something happens or you get too comfortable in your position and then mm. a, a new guy takes over. Do you think that they're in a perfect capitalist system that there's probably a, a lifespan of a company as a real thing? I think it probably depends on the, sector i definitely think in technology um um 
you know, capital is always going to be really strong. So a company that already has a lot of it has the opportunity to maybe just buy the new upstart, you know, but, but there is this sort of liability to your, you know, I was talking about that tacit knowledge. Like if you think of like tacit knowledge, like, like, let's say like you, um, you played the guitar, you know, for 20 years and then all of a sudden you're supposed to play the mandolin, like the scales are different on the mandolin. And so your tacit knowledge, like your instinct for playing guitar is actually going to be a barrier in some sense to learning the mandolin. It's going to trip you up. So you're saying like the, the mandolin is like the new environment or the new world that you're not used to. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, like this whole time landlines were really important. And then over a period of five years, landlines stopped being important. Yeah. And so if you were so the you, landline so you company. you do think that, that a death is probably a natural part of a capitalist system. A company death, it should be like, well, that's what happens. Yeah. I think it's totally fine. I think so too, probably. If, if there's a pure capitalism, I think death is probably a thing. It's got to happen. You got to let the youngsters in. I, I definitely think any art of like sustaining a company artificially, like the too big to fail thing is like one of the worst things that we've done as a country. Um, like deciding that some company is so special that we need to prop it up when it's not doing well. That's, that's really, really silly. That's the way you, you, you totally mess up a whole capitalist. You, you create, you create perverse incentives. That's what I think about that. Look, I don't know. I still don't know. I thought I said last week I was going to solve it all, mm. but yeah, we were we were going to solve it. We had made big promises. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe I will. Look, maybe I'm going to work at Bloomberg right. and I'm going to talk to some smart people and I'll make some videos that will inform the public on the way everything actually works in human language, so people get it and we can t- grab hold of the reins of the economy and drive it into the sun. Yeah. So um, as part of season two, we are going to read a quote. Um, And I don't have a verbatim quote, but this is paraphrasing from Cesar Hidalgo on EconTalk. Are you ready? Yep. Universe... This is just the way I wrote it down. I don't know what he actually said. The universe has tendency to make information disappear just like milk and coffee hmm how does that apply to this or did you just like it well it's like it makes us special in the sense that we um, culture and and create information it makes like a company makes information and guards information and has a company culture and company information. Hmm. I don't really get that quote, but it's pretty good. I guess we're reversing entropy. Companies are reversing entropy and that's different than physics. Natural order of things would just be for for entropy to increase. 
Hmm. But you and I and companies <laughs> decrease entropy. Maybe. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I don't know if that's this at the end of that one. We didn't uh, think of any homework. Oh, yeah. That's all right. I think we've got to... I don't really know. We need, we need to talk about... Um, um, more about VR, I think. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. I gotta watch the... I didn't watch the entire second, um, thing about interfaces, but I gotta watch the rest of that. That guy has... He's... That guy has thought the most about VR interfaces. Yeah, dude. Like, more than anybody we, else, we had that for sure. 3D illustration of, like, the slice yeah. of attention and uh-huh i'll send you a video from um oculus that they did yeah i'm really trying to get anna's brother to because he's a ux he's like an interface designer oh, really? right now yeah uh he worked for that one company frog you know i know a guy from what's your what's her her brother's name victor oh i know a guy named alan Ask ask know. Victor if he knows Alan. He doesn't work there anymore. I don't know what he's doing right Alan now. Alan doesn't work actually. there anymore either. But, he worked but yeah, no. He does UX design. I really want him to get into VR interfaces because, like, why not? Yeah, dude, that's, that's literally, like, the thing that most drives me to, like... I was thinking about it. So, uh, um, that guy's, whatchamacallit, that guy's video, like... So, like... Oh, and that chair that you sent me, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, sitting is bad for us, but probably we're going to find out that laying down all the time is probably bad for us, too. Sodging is yeah. bad for us. And standing is bad for you, too, apparently. The, yeah. I think the only thing that's actually good for you is walking around. That's my theory. Jogging is bad for your knees. No, I think so, too. So, but imagine, so imagine, like, let's say you are, like, a, a like, a, a programmer or like a physicist or let's see your video editor. Right. And I was like in my backyard today, you like keep your like video files like over in this part of the backyard. And then like, you've got your timeline like along the grass <clears throat> and like you go and you like reach to the shed for some tools and you like you, so you make like a tangible full body, full, backyard experience that is your job like what is the backyard equivalent of your job then think how great that would be for your mind yeah, to you solve think, the problems of your job because you'd have your mind would be working in this huge space instead of on this little screen yeah i was yeah do you think it'd be like that or do you think it'd be like you're just like treadmilling and kind of your interface just moves with you like you're just like walking around and like the screens are floating in front of you and you're just doing your work, but also walking. No, that's dumb. <laughs> it is dumb. Yeah. When I think about it, I'm like, that kind of sucks that you make you feel like a hamster. Right. Your you, idea is more like you're actually, your, your actions are purposeful. Right. Yeah. So that's my new thing is the backyard, the backyard, the backyard computer. 
because it's the opposite of what other people are saying. They're saying like what the, what other people are describing her is what I was just saying, like sort of like a minority report of screens all around right. you, like and just sort of like orbiting around you. You always stay in the same place. But if you think of like where we want to get, I think we want to have the backyard computer. It's pretty interesting. So I want to talk more about it. But I'll give you, I'll send you the whatchamacallit. Do you, should we add this to the end? Um, that we're gonna, I don't know what we're gonna talk about. Um, we're just gonna talk about VR. Alright. Um, okay. Or we can talk about whatever. Well, I wanna talk about VR. Yeah. <laughs>